0: In 1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony.
1: Order. Order.
0: On the other side, they wanted mostly none. Yeah. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice oh. whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the Rector's Cupboard. Order. Ah, welcome. <laughs> welcome so on this <laughs> uh, Tuesday evening. Welcome to Rector's Cupboard. We have Alison Williams here. Good evening. And we have Catherine Woodyard here. Hello. Welcome to both of you. And we're joined by Brenda Lee Sasaki, who will introduce formally later. Hi, Brenda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's great to have you here. Um, so here's, I just want to start off with this, and we'll do a little bit of banter after this, but I don't know if you know this, but there are some people who are trying to figure out whether Pope Francis is a Christian. <laughs> did you ever have that when you were growing up? Did you ever have that? Oh, the like Catholic about Mother Protestant Teresa Protestant question? <laughs> like, yeah. Mother no, Teresa, she might be a believer. You know, that it's kind of possible. thing? It's possible. So Pope Francis is in a little bit of trouble mm. because, you know, he might not have, he, I guess he said something that was maybe a little too accepting of gay people or something and so uh-huh. um and uh and then I, I looked into some of what he was saying uh, in response to some of the accusations both within the catholic church and then from outside of it one time he was making a comment when flying back from the united states actually or I think so. Has he been to the United States? Anyway, I picture yep. it that way. He was on a plane. And uh, he said, and, and I quote, he said, for me, it's an honor if the Americans attack me. <laughs> now, what he meant was kind of rigid, evangelical <laughs> Americans, because one of his chief opponents, according to him, is what he calls moral rigidity. And so mm-hmm. he says, if you have, if, if you need to be careful of leaders who are morally rigid, says Pope Francis because they're always hiding something rigid theology is always a mask and rigidity is always hiding something another occasion he said Rig- behind every rigidity is some kind of imbalance he said they throw stones and then they hide their hands and he said you got to be careful around people who actually he said you need to be careful around Christians who are rigid um, because there is no spirit of God there So that's the point. So Uh, we'll start with that. I can
2: see why some people would think he wasn't a Christian. So uh, (laughs) I I wanted to use that
0: to kind of go into this little article that we pulled up. We'll we'll link it in the episode notes. Um, And this is kind of current events. And we talk about so many things in the United States, and we're going to move away from some of that. But uh, this has to do with our guest, who we'll be speaking with later about some uh, matters around uh, Christian education and Christian universities and Bible school and such and moralism and whatever else. But there's big news in the world of Christian universities, and that's because the biggest one in the world is it the biggest in the world, producer Rick? Is Liberty University the biggest in the world? I know there's over 100,000 students. There's 15,000 residential students, but there's over 100,000 students. That's a big school. Ooh, and that's uh, a lot if of you're a residential student, you have to sign uh, what some schools call a community covenant, they call it a code of honor. Wait, only if you live there? Yeah, yeah I don't think that they Whoa. make the rest of, like, they're distant students that's what
2: I, in,
1: sign in, uh, it. Oh, interesting. Inter- when I went to a Bible college, um, everybody had to sign it. Everybody. And uh, they, they liked mm-hmm. it better if you lived there because then they could, they could watch see it. if you're actually doing yeah. it or not. And if you lived. Yep. I had to apply to live outside of dorm. And they actually didn't want to approve that because then. you can't be watched.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. What mm. happened in this case? And I, I think Allison, you know some of the things around the Liberty University Code <laughs> of Honor because you looked it up and such.
2: I, I did. I went down but, a bit of a rabbit hole. Liberty University <laughs> is run
0: by Jerry Falwell Jr. Or was it was uh, his <laughs> father? I believe founded it.
2: Right, I think so.
0: Which isn't that yeah. long ago. Uh, leader of the and founder of the Moral Majority, which is really the the uh, early days of the Christian rights and, and kind of this uh, rigidity, frankly. Um, but Jerry Falwell Jr. took over from his dad and Jerry Falwell Jr. is no longer in charge of Liberty University because, anybody want to tell us why?
1: I, th- I think there was a pool boy involved. Let me guess, a sex scandal. That's what That's what always gets these With guys With no out. sex on his part. Oh, well. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't believe so. He, mm. I mean, it, it, would, it would seem that there is an accusation of him observing.
0: So... His, I can say it. Sure. So <laughs> his wife named Becky, Why which is a tried? great, good name for the wife oh, of a. Oh,
2: don't, don't slander
0: all Becky.
1: It's, it's, that, no, but that's just a sound, little okay, presumptuous. Jerry and
0: Becky. Uh, but his wife, Becky, <laughs> uh, they met a pool boy named, I don't know his name. Let's Shoot. call him Ferdinand. Something Granada, I think. Granda. Something Granda. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it Granada. is something like that. Yeah. But hmm. anyway, not, yeah, they're not cartoon characters. They're real people. Sorry for they me doing are. that. They are. But, um,. And it turns out that the pool boy who entered some real estate deals and such with them, of course, because that's what happens, It is I guess. Granada. Granada is uh-huh. his last granda. name?
2: Granda. Granda. Sorry.
0: Something Granda. And, uh, but James Becky and the pool boy started an affair, and apparently, they deny this, but apparently, and there's apparently some proof, uh, that uh, Jerry would watch uh, the... And what shockingly, that mm-hmm. those sorts
2: of behaviors were against their their community covenant.
0: Yeah, I guess that's that's that wasn't in there, right? Like,
2: <laughs>
1: um, uh, I I don't I don't I don't think I specifically read any rules around pool boys, but I, it was in Saskatchewan. And let me just tell you, there's very few pools, yeah. and thus few pool few boys in, why, in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So I may have missed that piece. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like well,
0: hockey players or something. There.
1: there was something though about laundry days. Can I just tell you? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 In the covenant, it was you had a lot. Like girls did their laundry on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because there was one laundromat, and and boys did it on like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I don't remember the days, but there's some days where just like that's how your no schedule worked Sundays. out. I, yeah, probably it was the okay. Lord's day. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's just how it worked out was you had to do your laundry and you're like, crap, it's mm. a guy's day. And so there was this like laundry grandmother. I don't know who she was, but she worked there. Like what, I don't know what she did. And she worked in the laundromat. So what you had to do is like sneak in when she wasn't in that room, throw your laundry in really fast and get out. And or like we why. all
0: just why, did why was, why was laundry Oh, she'd separated?
1: rip into you.
0: But why, what was the rationale? And, like,
1: why oh, because then a man might see my under things now, in a laundry basket unmentionables. dirty. Unmentionables. Yeah, like dirty clothes might somehow arouse a, a man into such a frenzy.
0: Oh, I was assuming it was if they were clean or dirty. Like, I, I don't know that that was, oh. do you know what I mean? Like just seeing a, a woman.
1: I any, any, any type of garment, clean, dirty, right. you know, it's just, I think that they assume, I don't know what they
0: assume. Now, it didn't go the other way. There wasn't like, oh, you don't want to see boys underwear because that might
1: well, I mean, technically, they weren't allowed to do their laundry on a, on a girl's day. Okay, got it. it. It was it was a it was a weird laundry situation. When I think back on it now, I just think that is the most hilarious thing that I had to like sneak laundry because I didn't want the boys to see my my like. <laughs> where. Well, my so mother ridiculous. went
2: to this same Bible college uh, mm-hmm. back in the 70s. And I remember her telling me about how they had pink and blue sidewalks <laughs> so that yeah. men and women oh, wow. wouldn't be... Anywhere in the same sort of real estate?
1: Wow! So I mean, we had we had moved on from the the pink and blue side. There's sidewalks. been advances progression. So yeah,
0: it just shows they're forward Any laundry incidents? Was there a time you like saw a guys underwear and that was it for you? No,
1: but I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was it's it. Confessional I, was just time. I just whoosh. I lost all my cool guys. Yeah. No, but there was a time. I mean, it's like minus whatever there, right? Twenty five or something. Yeah. And I was walking back with my laundry basket, and I I had like a bra that fell out onto the white snow and it was like a black sports oh bra or something and I didn't bra? realize and this guy yelled like oh you dropped something and he was a super nice guy so I was like oh thanks and I went back and I'm like oh crap it's my <laughs> bra and so that just goes to show the laundry days didn't actually work did in you my ever scenario. follow up
0: with him do you know what happened after that
1: <laughs> I you know I didn't no. he did pester me a little while <laughs> after that you, you know yeah. well I mean I think one of the
2: the more kind of mm. interesting things about these community governments, codes of conduct and stuff like that is what, what they actually accomplish or what, or what the institutions believe they will actually accomplish. Mm. Because, I mean, I know, I know several friends that have gone to schools where they've been asked to sign this as a student and they had no intention of following it whatsoever. And they were just like, as long as I don't get caught. And so I go, I'm not sure what the point that they think like do they think this will actually stop people or is it to please donors so that it looks like they're trying to enforce this sort of regulation? I, I'm not entirely sure.
1: Mm. I mean, that brings up a whole other topic, which we can get into now or later. But... <laughs> well we'll
0: talk about it later, too. Yeah, but, go ahead. Yeah,
1: but no, I, I think that there is this obsession in my experience with evangelicals and specifically evangelical men in terms of keeping up appearances. Like what matters is what people Mm, can see. Perception, reputation. And you know, that showed in many different ways over my lifetime, whether it was, um, you know, Um, at church, you put on a smile, you make everything okay, regardless of what just happened in the car on the way to church or before church or after church, you know, or whether it's um, women having to look a certain way or whether it's um, just looking like you've got it all together and like you're not Sinning and you're not doing all the things. I air quoted sinning because I don't. You know, yeah. to be
2: very clear, uh, to, yeah, I realized. Wait a second, <laughs> this is
1: a podcast. <laughs> you can't, yeah. can't see my hands. on a podcast. I can see it. It was
0: great. Air Thanks, like I'm really, super yeah. good excellent. Enough. Actually, too good. And
1: so, <laughs> uh, and so I I think in 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 terms of the covenant, my, my thought is like they, to them, it's too big of a risk to have people just willy nilly going out and doing what they want because the, the paternalistic and control to controlling nature of, of that sort of, um, framework um, needs, yeah, it, they need to have something in writing that they can mask so they don't, under.
0: Then there's no trust at all of actual, mm-hmm. people's actual moral or spiritual development. No, they
1: right? would mask it as accountability. They would say, well, you know, we're helping you be accountable by signing this thing, when really I think it's about control. So,
0: so Jerry Falwell mm-hmm. Jr. is a school where this code of honor is everybody who lives there has to sign it. Um, he clearly has no respect for it.
2: I mean, he, he has said um, previously that he's like, I, I'm not a pastor, so I'm not bound by the same sort of moralistic code. Um, but, I mean, one of the other strange things in my delve into Liberty's Code of conduct was, was one little part where they talk about self-reporting. Yeah, this be
0: interesting for Catherine. Are uh, you supposed to self-report, Catherine? Well, <laughs> yeah. there, okay. there
2: seemed to be this, this, uh, this uh, caveat yeah. that you could self-report, I think, once... A term and like received like six
0: things, though. Would that be considered?
2: I think you could, as long as they were or... different, like it seemed to say, okay. that, like, guys, if you, I self reported
1: You did uh, right here, right here. I'm a real winner. Um, <laughs> I missed a chapel service because I didn't want to go, and I guess it's after that, it's
0: not like... really missed it.
1: it's in the covenant that you have to go, and I didn't go all the time, but yeah. I guess after this particular time, I yeah. was feeling like. I uh, feel kind of guilty about it. So I I disclosed to my RA, like the person who ran the hall, oh, I didn't go to church, chapel. I wasn't feeling well, well when I woke up, but then I went to class afterwards. So, you know, maybe I could have gone. And for that, she reported me to the dean, who then came to me and told me that I had to take notes in chapel for a week as penance for penance. missing one chapel mm. service guy. Wow. Did they have mm. to
0: look at your notes later?
1: Yeah, I had to hand them in. Are and you- at the time, I thought this is such bullshit. But then I just, you know, you do it because whatever. You're just like, this is so stupid. And anyway, it didn't work. I still skip chapel guys. So, and I just stopped reporting. It. So then
0: we're, <laughs> we're going to do our tasting in a minute. Yeah, our, we, our we should open the master is not here. I can, I can open this bottle. Yes, this yes, you can. But the, um, to end like the Jerry Falwell stuff, what's interesting, so he's no longer in charge of Liberty University over this scandal, which I'm not like, whatever you think about what that was, if that's a scandal or not. Um, but he said some terrible things about muslim people basically saying yeah. that yes. islam is like evil he said some terribly violent things about people who disagree he said that everybody i think or something along the lines of like he wished every student at liberty like carried a gun type of thing or something and uh, and that, none of that got him got him kicked no. out but this did, which Sex. is has to do, again, with what's in those community covenants. These are the things that matter to us most. He did get a $10.5 million severance.
2: Yeah, when, so how much punishment when, is that, really? When
0: he left. Mm. But um, it's an astounding thing. And I, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to take pride in people like that falling. So it's not like, oh, he, he finally fell. Isn't that great? But I'll be honest in that I, I do, when I see that, go, well, of course, Back to Pope Francis, because moral rigidity is always hiding something, and anybody and I like this paternalistic stuff, anybody who puts themselves over this like a whole bunch <laughs> of other people, particularly younger people, right like such a giveaway as you know i 'm going to be the the purveyor of morality for you um, unless they are calling bullshit on themselves, then you know they 're just absolutely like mm-hmm. full of it, right so anyway it 's interesting the articles there. Yeah, Lots we'll, to talk we'll about there. It. We'll get talking with Brenda let's, about uh, some of these things as well. Let's open. But uh, we have, I don't know if I'm going to say it properly, we have a single malt scotch whiskey to taste this evening as part of Rector's Cupboard. You can see that. Um, should we pour this?
2: Yeah, I can do that oh, if you want.
0: Okay. Um, so uh, we're, we're so sad because Ken Bell is unable to be here because he's uh, actually... Uh, taking a course for his chaplaincy program and it is this evening so he may join us later Mm. but uh, i know a little bit about scotch i just mostly like uh, yeah i I like scotch and so you guys will have this there's five regions of scotch when you when you have the word whiskey uh, from scotland that's called scotch uh, and there's no e in that whiskey with an e is from other places too five regions in Scotland Campbellton Highland Low Lowland Spayside and Isla or Isle. Um, and then for those of you who know like the, the thing that stands out most about scotch is like peatiness like that, it Ugh. tastes like like burnt grass or something. Which I'm not a lot sure of people why that's love. a desirable like kinda, trait,
1: like guys. I'm. I gotta be honest here. I'm a little nervous about this sip Sorry. because that's I'm, a big pour. <laughs> it, it, you did give me like you, don't have you know, A tumbler
0: it. full. It, it, it was
2: a generous pour.
0: <laughs> so Brenda has some. We yes, she some. does. And so take cheers. That, Is I this guess. one, Ken PD? Ken would say, "Smell you know, it. The, gotta no. smell it." He'd have a word for it. It smells good, PD. It not smells, not too uh, It's not peaty. Yeah, it's Spayside, which is nice.
1: Mm, it smell. I think good. I just got mm. like a little bit. That was it's a plenty, little It's plenty, guys. Smooth. I'm going to stop at the smell. My eyeballs Ooh. started to water, so I'm okay. good. I don't We're going to put it down? It. Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: Oh, it's lovely. It's yeah, nice. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it?
1: It's a little oh, less nice.
0: sweet it's than it's I do. Brenda, do. It's super smooth. Beautiful Do you like color. the PD like scotches? I do. Me too. I do. You know, there's a little bit in here. There's a little there's bit. There's a little bit of, of peat in there. And I, I mm, looked it up. Caramel. To say. Mm. I agree. There's, if there's some sweetness to so this exactly. one for sure.
1: No, I, I did taste a little it's, bit. It, um, I was like, "Ooh, that's a little too nice. When I looked up some strong. tasting notes for
0: it, it said that there's a bit of smoke and a gentle mm. peat. And gentle, then gentle it said Pete. that.
2: That's how I would totally I describe it. I love this.
0: Gentle Pete. I used
2: to date. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I used to, to guy named. Wasn't he Pete. a bridecrush? <laughs> I had to self-report. Didn't you drop your bridecrush?
1: <laughs> <had to> <laughs> I had to
0: self-report.
1: Me and Gentle Pete.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did we break the covenant if it was Gentle Pete? Um, the. God. Oh my god. <laughs> the uh sorry. uh What it said was in the tasting notes. It said, and I quote. It whispers oh, nice. sweet nothings.
2: No, it didn't. It did. It did not. Ah. It did. And oh it's my goodness!
0: A, its finish has a long, dry smoke and a touch of peat. So, fa- oh, sorry. It's called Cardu. Cardu, and this Whoa. is twelve year uh, aged Scotch. That Ken, it's a nice little our cupboard thing. master, Ken says. Cool. He picked up a bottle for us and a bottle for Brenda, and he says, "I like to get sixteen, you know, sixteen years at least, but we'll go for twelve because sixteen is like, you know, you're entering a whole other double the there. price." <laughs> <a> <laughs> Brenda's like, "Yeah, and double the
3: price, yes."
0: So Brenda, enjoy this as you're speaking with us.
3: I am enjoying it. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> if you need more Catherine mm. has some. We yep. can cart I'm it out. I feel here. the cheeks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy um, to share mine. And so, where's your? <laughs> there right it is. here. Uh, And so we're happy to have with us as our guest this evening, Brenda Lee Sasaki. Brenda is a professor and writer, uh, does counseling and coaching. She teaches leadership, and now I've lost my place in the things. Well done. She teaches leadership and all (laughs) other kinds of things, um, encouraging change. I've got some notes here, Uh, both personally, professionally, deconstructing faith, gender, and sexual identity. Uh, And she says in her bio, each of these interests have brought me into meaningful conversations that have informed life and work uh, in the organizations that she works with. Uh, Last 10 years has been immersed in graduate studies and MA in leadership and Christian studies and apologetics and teaches at Trinity Western University. Brenda, we've read a number of the things that you've written, which are fantastic. I think um, before meeting you here, I read that little piece that you had in, is it called? She She loves magazine. magazine. Um, And a great piece on, on not being a godly woman. Um, and so we'll talk about that in a little bit. I thought it was fantastic. We'll also link that in. Um, and so Brenda, thank you so much for, for joining us this evening. And, uh, we're glad to kind of be asking you questions and hope you have some for us too. Welcome. So,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Thank yeah. you. This is a delight. I love talking.
2: Yay. That's good. We we'll love talking. All, talking
0: oh, man, we'll,
3: <laughs> we're in we'll, good company. Yes, we
0: we have something you, in common.
1: How did you get to be at Trinity?
3: Interesting story. Um, so I've been teaching there for four years. I did my Master's of Leadership there, and that's where I kind of connected to people who were teaching in the program. And um, I also I also went to, ended up at seminary, at ACT Seminary, which is a branch yep. at Trinity Western. Mm-hmm. It's kind of their seminary. Both conservative places and yet the call for me to be in those conservative places as somebody... want to say troublemaker but somebody who might stir things up a little bit was pretty evident and obvious for me um so yeah so I started teaching they asked me to teach one class in the summer in 2016 and I loved it and just started taking off from there and started teaching full-time so I only have my master's degrees I don't have my PhD so I teach an undergrad
0: okay now, yeah, and you're not afraid of talking to people like us, even though you're a professor at a Christian university. It's okay, <laughs> right? You're,
3: you're not, not afraid to, get to talk them to, to me. Sign okay, us. so we're in,
0: okay. <laughs> so we're we're all blacklisted somewhere. So oh, um, clearly. So I had a question just to start off. Like, um, and it sounds like such a kind of crazy thing, but why this kind of personal? You could give a personal reflection on this. Why do Christian universities exist? Do you think? Like, what's the
3: well, you know, if you look historically, you know, so many of our educational institutes arose out of religious teachings, right? The universities, colleges, places of theology from Greek and Roman times evolving over, over the years. And so education has been always a part of religiosity and of, you know, faith-based endeavors. And so the modern version, I guess, of, of you know, Christian universities um, is is just from... Trying to hold on to Historical, that, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they become, you know, a lot of them either kind of go in the Bible college kind of route where they're completely um, focused on biblical training, theology. Um, the university I teach at is actually one of the only Canadian liberal arts universities, right? And so we teach, you know, sciences right. and we teach… <clears throat> history, political science, um, environmental science, all kinds of stuff like that. So we are not strictly – we have a faith lens, obviously, and the basis and foundations of Trinity's beginnings were a Bible college. But it grew into this place where they wanted to have public um, endeavor and and influence in the public system, and so they became a university.
0: So for people listening who maybe don't know, and I think most probably would, there's three kind of main branches when we talk about uh, places of Christian – post-secondary education. One would be a Bible school. So, Catherine, that's kind mm-hmm. of what you attended, right? Like, Briarcrest is a Bible mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. yep. Okay? And so a Bible mm-hmm. school, like Brenda's saying, is teaching you a lot of Bible stuff and, and theology and religious practice and whatever else. Um, then you have your Christian universities that are, some of them are liberal arts universities, like uh, Brenda's uh, speaking about, <laughs> Trinity Western and other places. And then you have, and so Liberty University, I think, would be a, a Christian university, Um, but, and they would have some liberal arts things and sciences as well. And, and then you have your seminaries. So acts that you're talking about is a seminary, Regent College is a (laughs) seminary. Uh, and these are places where you're going to get some training for some kind of Christian, VST, some kind of Christian ministry work. Right. So Mm -hmm. those are the, those are the differences. Um, so, and Catherine, you went to a Bible school. I did. And do you have questions about that? I mean, um,
1: (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it I, I, I mean I, my the thing is is anything that I say is colored by my personal experience, so just take yeah. that take that all with what it may when it when it when we talk about Bible colleges but um, you know in, in general, I found that education wasn't the first priority like when i when I signed up, I guess I thought I was going to some place that prioritized higher learning and an education, and I'll give you an example. We had, um, I ha- okay, I had the greatest professor. Actually, he taught it. Um, he taught at Trinity for a while, Doctor Brian Gobbett. And he taught this course, uh, History of Christianity and Science, um, which I was super fascinated in. So I was like, great, I'm going to take it. And one of the things he did was he got this um, amazing speaker who was one of the few people in the world qualified to talk about this. He was like a dentist and also had a doctorate in biology and also a uh, like Doctorate in theology, so it was kind of crazy, but he was a like an evolutionary creationist and so um they allowed he, that to happen at Briar well here's the here's the thing I'm so confused did, by this he, from he did what I run know. this he did run this by people, but basically you know, he got this guy to come and speak and say, there's different ways to look at ah. the process of evolution. Here's some here's some different ways that people do it, all within the confines of a faith. And you can think differently. And here's some options, which I think, isn't that the purpose of... Uh, An education is you see different people and think people in the world think differently than you and then you sort of make assessments and you're taught how to think critically about information. Well, it was a lecture series and by the third lecture, I guess... Uh, people that were sponsors at churches in the nearby towns had heard that he was here they all came and like crashed it and started yelling and I think my teacher came close to losing his job over getting that person in to speak and I just Mm. think um, you know to me that's an example that shows that it didn't Really prioritize my education. They were prioritizing an agenda or um, hmm. a, a different form, maybe. Of I mean, to
0: put it, they're, they're uh, not really intent upon getting you to think. They're intent upon telling you what to think. Exactly. To to think.
1: Exactly. Which I don't well, think is. Do you, do you think
2: is I, I don't think that's a monolithic necessarily description of all Bible colleges. No, no, I, I don't. W- I went to Columbia Bible College and. And frankly, I was I was very impressed with how academic it actually was, and how much the the professors there challenged different perspectives and encouraged different perspectives, and weren't threatened by different perspectives. We weren't allowed to dance. That was very clear. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it was actually a very positive experience for me. But I know that in some ways, with a lot of other people I've talked to, that's more the exception.
0: So, Brenda, you, uh-huh. what's your experience in terms of whether, so you're a Christian university. Uh-huh. Um, it would seem to me, accepting that, you know, yes, places like Princeton and, and Ivy League schools were, were started with a religious base and whatever, but Christian uh-huh. universities now meaning something a little bit different at points. Is your experience that some students go there either by their own accord or their parents' accord or whatever to try to maintain some kind of bubble to their way of seeing the world or what do you at think?
3: trinity yeah well that's absolutely right because when we use the word christian in front of anything right you know christian music christian education hmm. christian yeah i don't know grocery stores hobby lobby oh, i don't know we had we had christian <laughs> to anything um it becomes um you know aligned with what our faith is and mm-hmm. we are we are confident that this is actually going to be exactly what our child needs or it's going to be very much in line with our own theological um bent whatever that is without um recognizing it's a personal relationship everyone has this individual personal relationship with their faith and so even when you go to a christian college you go to a christian high school you go to a you know a christian anything There's going to be diversity. There's going to be individual responses to what you're hearing, what you're taking in, how you're applying or using that in your own life. And yes, you know, parents send their kids here in the hopes of protecting them or maintaining this religious thread that they've started in their lives. And for some, they come out the other end with that, for sure, because who are you hanging around with if you're hanging around the same kids like that? But if you're there to question, if you're there to actually Mm -hmm. explore and dig deeper, there's also lots of other students that are like that. Trinity was not always like that, but it has mm. become like that. Mm. Now, now, Brenda, we
2: talk, um, we, well, we've, we've heard consistently about people who, who have chosen to walk away from religion, walk away from, from religious communities. Um, and, and in some ways, that, always, that hasn't always been a negative thing. Um, but can you talk a bit about what it might mean to lose some religion? but to deepen faith in that process?
3: Um, yes, I can.
2: <laughs> I feel that's... I that's
3: might know very, something. that might be- <laughs> That is, you know, very much part of my own spiritual mm. journey is walking away from organized religion and religiosity. Ten years ago... And, you know, people who do that and I have such honor and respect in the past of people who've done that because to truly do that means you're actually faith is is mean something to you. Mm-hmm. you. It means so much that you're willing to walk away from what you've known mm-hmm. and from people who will excommunicate you. They will call you all kinds of names. They will disavow um, themselves of you because of the questions you are bringing. And that takes a great deal of courage and okay. humility and perseverance. It's a hard thing to walk away. Mm. Um, and, and it kind of goes in two ways. So it's the one thing is, is when you walk away from religion, and when you take off those shackles and when you find yourself, you know, standing in the sunlight, you know, you're then in, in asking the question, okay, now what? And in my kind of experience, it's kind of one of two ways. Either we say I've been so hurt and traumatized, that I can't even engage in those conversations anymore. I can't engage at all that spiritual side of me. And so I might just be shutting that down or, or the other side, which is kind of my story is God damn it. I'm going to go to seminary because I'm going to get those answers <laughs> and I'm going to come back fighting folks. Right. Mm-hmm. right? So you kind of press in and say, there's something underneath it that I know is always there. And I'm trying to get to that. Mm. And so to shake off religion, actually allows me to get to that it opens up the possibility and the knowledge that god is so much more than the man-made rules that we've created and these structures and systems that have just been created to um, keep people in place and to stop us from thinking and to you know delineate who's in and who's out and who gets to be the chosen ones and who gets to be the ones on the margins mm-hmm So for me and for so many people I know who've walked away, I would say, from organized religion, they've become much more beautifully in tune with who God is and in seeking God and in reading scriptures and in studying and finding answers in places where, you know, we're not just told for 35 minutes on a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. what to to believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Now we've uh, you,
2: you've mentioned before in, in conversations that we've had, and in, in some of your writings, like about a crisis of leadership in evangelical circles,
0: hmm. um,
2: like Jerry Falwell, um, Franklin Graham, those sorts of examples. And I mean, most of those are, are American examples. But hmm. uh, is this something that you experience as as like something that's purely a problem south of the border, or where can you identify it in, in hmm. our local or like our Canadian sort of? Um, uh, community.
3: I, I like that question when you posed it Allison, so I've been thinking about it for the last couple of days. And so you know when I started going to seminary, I stopped after two years and I actually quit my job and I went to did my master's of leadership because it, it became really clear to me this actually isn't often about theology or about right thinking. Mm. it's about the people. It's about Mm. how we interact with people. It's how we lead ourselves and we lead others in any context, but particularly in the Christian context. And um, when I studied leadership and when I kind of really dove into formal leadership, I'd been studying and reading about leadership probably for about 15 years, lots of it, you know, in ministry, right? And we go to the global leadership summit and we, you know, do leadership stuff But leadership, the art and science of leadership is really what makes or breaks Connection, community, belonging. It is a skill that we can get better at, and yet, too many times, we have put men, particularly in roles and positions of leadership, who do not have the skills and the ability to have effective, holistic leadership with Mm -hmm. the people that they're supposed to be leading. And I, I just found that. This, is, this was the missing piece for me, is leadership. And so a crisis in leadership across the board, mm-hmm. not just in churches, organizations, businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in, you know, the Canadian context, you know, I was thinking about, you know, Jean Vanier mm-hmm. this year who passed yeah. away. And, you know, in the same span of the time he passed away, mm-hmm. the revelation of his abuse of six mm-hmm. women. And here was a man who defined and created so much theology around compassionate care and about downward mobility. And so now we're confronted with the reality of what we know now Mm -hmm. and he's passed away. So there's no place to have kind of conversations Mm -hmm. or unpack this with that man. Right. So that, you know, in Canadian context, we are not immune from this. I really believe our responses to the residential school system and our Indigenous people is a crisis of leadership and our churches have not responded well historically Mm -hmm. and even in the last 15 to 20 years when as a nation we've been trying to grapple with um, how do we how do we reconcile? how do we mm-hmm. repent from what has happened in the past and churches some churches have really embraced this and have really done a beautiful job of reconciliation and many have done it kicking kind of and screaming and half heartedly mm-hmm. yeah. that's a crisis of leadership
1: you know you I totally hear that and i you mentioned um, you know, typically male leaders, and I would add to that typically white male leaders. And, you know, when I think about the um, issue of diversity, um, or lack thereof, when I think about um, leaders in faith, um, I think there is a great gaping chasm there between where we are and where we need to be. Um, You know, I'm, I'm moving um, and I was looking in the city to which I'm moving and I was looking through churches because let me tell you, there's loads of churches where I'm moving and I go to, what are we about on the website? Mm-hmm. And then I look at leadership and for better or worse, and I'm sure they're all lovely people, but I oh. see church after church with white man, white man, white man. White. And when I'm sorry, when I see an elder leadership board of 10 men, I think, I can tell you already some things about that church. That's what I, I can. I'm sorry. I've 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 seen enough things to know um, that I can tell you some things. And then, uh, you know, I I wonder like how how do we move from this? Um, you know, especially when we think about women and how important it is to have women leading our faith based organizations, leading in business, leading all over the place. Um, you know, how do we move into a place where Like, can we, can we even move in organized religion to a place where women are valued in the way that they need to be? Or is that just something we're going to have to write off and and move on and just say, you know what, then organized religion is just not going to be a safe place for
0: women. Mm -hmm. Uh Would you add? (laughs) Sorry. Not that I'm like super like, um, Would you add male, white, and heterosexual, basically? Yeah, well. I mean, I absolutely I
1: would. And, you know, it's funny because one of the churches that we found, which I'm so excited to try, was First United in Kelowna. And the we, the all the pictures were female. And yet my husband and I talked and we like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I can tell you, I can, I can know with 100% certainty that 100% female leadership will likely have... Different and maybe even fewer issues than a kind of paternalistic. Like you know what they had to go through to get there, and you know what yeah. they've had to. You know, the bar for women leaders is so much higher than it mm. is for men. Yeah. Um, and so, to me, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll like that kind of church excites me, and I think fantastic. Mm. Uh, but a church with all male leadership, it, it denotes it denotes different things. And I know we're getting into like a whole other <laughs> other topic. You here, must have but, come across this um, sober- in yeah. Europe? Well, uh, in I was say. nothing. Tell us about <laughs> before we yeah. no I love, no. I love your articles, and she she loves um in Italy's um magazine because it totally has uh, these threads of where are women and and valuing women, and it's just to me such a, a, a gaping hole in a lot of these organized kind of faiths. Is it the well, same it in really, Christian universities too? I don't know. Uh, that's an
3: interesting question. I'll hit that one. You know. It, in a sec Um, it really ties to, um, I mean, what did Ruth, you know, Bader Ginsburg say, Mm -hmm. you know, when will you be satisfied on the, on the Supreme court? When she says, well, there's, when there's nine women And, (laughs) and when that becomes that we're not shocked by it, yeah. or we're thinking that's a wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Same in our churches, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're this is the thing we're seeking out places where there's a woman pastor because it's an, an either an anomaly, and not just a women's pastor who's the pastor of women's ministries, mm-hmm. an actual Ooh. Ooh. or children's that's ministries or things. worship. Mi- or like there's, ministries. there's boxes yeah. women mm-hmm. can exist within yep. safely. Yes, absolutely. Ish. And so when it becomes typical, when it becomes when we're not mm. saying. <clears throat> Oh, you know, this is the anomaly. I don't know when we will get to that. I don't Mm. know if we will get to that. Here's what I know, though. And this is why I believe it ties to that question of people leaving religion, particularly bright, capable women, is we're starting our own things. We're doing other Mm -hmm. things that are beautifully redemptive and spiritual outside of the Mm -hmm. organized church that is church. You know, I would call that church. Mm -hmm. I would call that connection belonging. I would call that furthering the followers of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, but we're doing it outside of the organized church. And that's Mm -hmm. where women are looking to now. Um, And men as well, men who are wanting things differently, men who are saying that doesn't work anymore. And it never actually did. And I'm wanting to stake my, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stake and put my stake here and say, I'm going to move into this direction too. And I, I'm not just supporting women, but I certainly believe in the egalitarianism of women and men working together. So, so because much I'm of... not just about women working, I, I believe in egalitarianism that we are working together.
0: Mm hmm. So much of what we're talking about, whether it's the community covenant or some of the last things we've spoken about, have to do with this kind of um, maintenance of some kind of hierarchy or social order that is Mm. not scriptural but becomes sanctified and then scripture is used and abused to kind of back that up. It's one of the reasons I liked your godly woman piece as well uh, in which you're saying, like, I'm not a godly woman. This kind of thing has been imposed upon me and us and, and really to to have any kind of growth spiritual or otherwise you have to break out of that you just can't I remember thinking it when um, one of the most troubling things I ever was at was promise keepers years ago oh boys <laughs> than, we're than going now. way but, back so, there but I remember just around that and uh, that they really got into this this did, tag so it's like the equal of God oh yeah, that yeah yeah what was the, that again we I love, love Jesus. Jesus yes we do Dude. we yeah, and then time. you like oh,
2: pit God. each other but Ooh. anyway
0: the most troubling thing to me after <laughs> that was. People would be presenting speakers and others as... And I, I look Ooh. at this as the equivalent of godly woman. It would be like, this person is a, quote, man of integrity. And so someone would get up to speak or whatever, and like, so promise keepers are supposed to be men of integrity, right? Which, of course, anytime I hear that, I just go, well, that's bullshit right away. Like, it's... If every, if anybody ever introduced me as, Todd's going to speak today, he's a man of integrity, I would have to go like, okay, <laughs> stop that now. Like, can I talk... Because it's, it's a ridiculous tag and title, right? It just means... That and so there's so much of this social order that's just being kind mm. of uh, maintained and enforced. We were at a conference last year, um, mm. and Daryl Guder was that who, only last year? Oh, uh, maybe. Oh this my God! Year, no, not, I, I, I don't there's think there's so. No time unfortunately, into time place.
2: doesn't matter. But the <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh,
0: guy from Princeton Theological Seminary, Daryl Guder, who's out here on the West Coast now and does some stuff at VST and some other places, he at the end of the conference, um, which was on Christian mission and witness. Um, he said with just this glee in his voice, um, uh, and he said, he basically was saying, I think in the power of the Holy Spirit, basically, he says, we may be finally witnessing in our time the end of Christendom. And he just said oh, it man. so hopefully that, because what he was saying was, we might actually begin to be able to bear witness once again because mm. we're going to push past this ridiculous imposed social order. Um, what are your thoughts on that? In terms of some of the things we've been talking about, and where you work, and whatever else.
3: Hallelujah, hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on! Yes, it's what we're waiting for. And yeah, uh, that's such a great quote. I am um, similar to that quote. There's a theologian and ethicist. His name is Miguel de la Torre, and he says something very similar. He says, "You know, the church in America is dying, and maybe the dead should bury the dead." Mm. And so, along the same lines, he's like, "What we have mm. is not." And he said, "The reason that the church isn't growing, the reason the church—I use air quotes here too—isn't mm-hmm. blessed." <laughs> air quotes. You and me both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, "We haven't been doing the work of Jesus." Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? He's like, "We have not been doing it. Why would God bless this? Why? Why, why would this be something that we think is ordained and and the, um, you know." the epicenter of of what it means to you know follow the lord and and you know have his ushering his kingdom here heaven on earth all that kind of stuff and i love that idea because i'm living that idea and all of us who've been come out of the churches come out of religious institutions that have been suppressing and oppressing people are saying we're ready to start something new. We're waiting for the new kingdom. We're building the new kingdom, whatever that is looking like in small circles. If it's, you know, online in Zoom and this little She Loves magazine, Mm -hmm. it it is happening in places. And hallelujah. Mm -hmm. You know, two years ago, I was on this thread on Facebook. I tend to get into trouble with people. And um, (laughs) I can't remember what I wrote, but I wrote something about like the church. I'm like, it's got to burn all down, folks. It needs to be burnt down, and I had lost several friends from that comment because they were like, "What are you? What are you talking about? You know, the church is the bride of Christ. How dare you say that?" And I'm like, "This bride, mm-hmm. she's a bitch. She needs to go. We need the new bride." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you? That's. I mean, that's. I totally. I completely agree with you, right? It's not. And then I try to listen a little bit with the ears of people who just love the church. You know, and I I love the church, but what I mean is who they hear us talking like this and they think, like, you guys are so threatening, you're not understanding the the great things that are there, you're not... And I know when you're speaking, because even hearing from you just a little bit, I know that, like, that's all underneath there, that we are grateful in so many ways for so many Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I am really, really glad about that, the dead, bury their dead stuff, because, you know, there's so much more promise in that, right? Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes, like, it's... Does that... Do you sometimes kind of encounter that like how the stuff that is just so life-giving to us might sound really really threatening to other people? Mm, mm. And not that not that I mean I'm okay with that, but what do you how do we kind of hold that? Right? Mm. And you know and that's where I, you know
3: for me I say to folks and friends and people who've known me and people who question me, people who are disappointed in me because Mm. of some of the things I've said or written about, Mm. you know, I say to them, I live a hopeful life though too. I'm not living this, you know, down with the church, down with Jesus, all of that stuff. So I'm continuing to live this vibrant, holy, spiritual life. And I'm hoping that that is also a testimony to my great belief in you know what the body of Christ should and could be. Mm. I, I haven't given up hope on that, have I? Do I disbelieve that this, you know, um, manifestation of the church right now is what God intended? Yes, I do. Mm. Do I think it's very damaged to the point of, I don't want to say irredeemable, but I do believe that sometimes we got to burn stuff down mm. in order to start something new. Because I, I tried for years, and I've worked in two different denominations. From the inside, believing that I be I be bringing my best self, I bring in my good Christian self, my seminary self, my theology self, my humble self, to help create change, and mm-hmm. just kept butting my head mm-hmm. against some of the religiosity that was oppressive, not just to me but to many of the people in the congregations I worked with. Uh, and, but I'm hope, but I'm so hopeful. My faith is hopeful. That hasn't wavered.
0: I can totally see yeah. that.
1: I was just going to say, it's, it's hard to have a conversation where we talk about um, leaving church and yet loving faith without talking mm. about Rachel Held Evans. Mm. And you think back mm. to her um, book, Searching for Sunday, where she went through a lot of this stuff, right? And it's such a beautiful testament to her work and how she just loved Jesus like nobody's business. Right. And, and that was so much bigger than any religiosity or church and didn't fear these uncomfortable conversations that we somehow like you've mentioned that, you know, friends are going to like or dislike or disagree with what you do. And you just got to, um, go with your heart. You know, she, um, started, uh, an event with Sarah Bessie called Evolving Faith. I don't know if you yeah. have been. I went last year. I just did the podcast. You went? I went last year. Oh, you did the podcast with, with the... Yeah, so um, I went last year. It was amazing. And it is, um, I think this will air in time, evolving faith. If you haven't gone this year, it's going to be virtual. I'm going, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. It's It's October 2nd and 3rd. And actually, Mm -hmm. I think if you go, you get access to the recordings for like six months or something. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I must've listened to those things dozens of times. And it's totally what we're talking about. It's for people that maybe are like, what is this organized religion thing? I don't know if it's for me, but like, where do I find myself and talk about diversity? I mean, they have people Mm -hmm. from, they have all different colors, all different sexual orientations, all different, and now, now Sarah runs it with Jeff Chu, who's this just amazing, mm, yeah. amazing guy. Anyway, Beautiful. so um, any, I, I just thought of that because we'll, it's very we'll topical, it yeah. Yeah. so make sure uh, if you can go, yeah. go buy we'll a virtual it ticket, well, and it's This is so going to be up on it.
0: Friday, which is what? Uh, the 25th. Yeah, 20, it's before yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah, get, Awesome. Yeah. So speaker.
1: it's so worth it.
2: Yeah, awesome. and I mean I think another another point to be made is I think for, for a certain subset of people, church as it currently exists works. It 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 serves their their purposes, it makes sense in how their lives are ordered. But I think one of the one of the beautiful examples that I've encountered is in Nadia Bowles Weber's um book, Shameless, she talks about mm-hmm. how fields can be Um, seated in like from corner to corner, but often it's not watered like that. So you have these edges, you have these corners of people who just don't get water. And she's like, and the church has been like that for so many people where Uh they're like, they're told that they're supposed to come, but they don't fit. And so it's, I think it can be hard for people for whom church makes sense. It, It makes sense in their lives that to go but it doesn't make sense for everybody and to hold that space and to hold that that tension uh, is is hard and if you've never kind of been in that sort of discomfort it's a tough thing to learn
0: for, for me even like being someone who i never really sought to um Uphold the social hierarchy or the order or anything. It wasn't kind of what. It's <laughs> not in. your bag. No, but but I'm mindful now of how much I benefited from it as mm-hmm. as a white male mm-hmm. pastor who and and now I look and think like I do. I think like oh, I should have done more. And even just being with well, you through three, w- three mm-hmm. women here and knowing how, what a different experience it is for a young woman growing up in an evangelical church than somebody like me who, you know, because I could lead half well a Bible study or something, all of a sudden people are like, you're so good at this or something, right? Because it's like the <laughs> new young guy that can, and it's all just this maintenance of of order that we, we've got, uh, Alison going to ask in the end about some, what makes you most hopeful, but I wanted to go back to Community Covenants before we did and mm. and just yes. get any more kind of feedback on that, Brenda, <laughs> that you have in terms of Community Covenants and what they're for. I, I used to, I probably filled one out for you, Catherine, like a reference a, form? A reference Because or a, or as a pastor and youth pastor, I used to fill out all these reference forms. Why did you do that?
1: So. Well, you know, my mother was totally against me going to Bible school. And so oh, wow. it's interesting because I think she had seen enough of, um, she'd seen enough even by that mm. point of evangelical and, you know, organizations led by men primarily. And um, yeah, I, I had some very not good experiences there. How many years did you attend? Um, four four years mm-hmm. The I I,
0: when I used to fill them out and they would have all these questions I think it was the Barcrest one but I'm not sure there'd be a lot of questions about like especially when they're younger like you know so mm-hmm. right out of high school or something
1: yeah.
0: what are their friends like like, oh. who do they spend time with? And kind okay. of they're trying to figure out. And I remember on one, I was probably some shit-disturber youth pastor or whatever, and mm. I remember writing on some kids, this is terrible, that oh. I did this. I wrote, like, I don't think Jesus would get into your school. <laughs> 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 and, you know, because he, like, we, I'd be answering all these questions terribly. Like, he hung out with, you know, the wrong people. Druggies and, and prostitutes. Yeah, like, did this. Um, yeah. And I've always been really grateful that, and I know it sounds, like, silly and cliché, Jesus has no community covenant. No. And no even statement of faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this something that. different. Anyway, Brenda, tell us about community covenants, Imagine and then we'll that. Ask one more question.
3: Oh, gosh. So Trinity does have community covenants. And up until 2018, students were required to sign it. In 2018, it became non-mandatory.
0: Oh. I
1: did, because oh. yeah, it was it. in the news uh, and stuff, right? Because um, there was so, a lot of controversy around the same-sex, uh, or the... You know, something about sex.
3: So, yeah, Trinity was applying to become um, open at law school, right? right? And so it was through the Supreme Court that it was being denied by the provincial law associations that um, because of our Christian faith and bias and things like that. Now, I think the Supreme Court decision was wrong because I believe in plurality in society and and in public Mm -hmm. policy. Mm -hmm. But that did force the hand of the university to back off and to say, this is still what we hold to. But because we're an academic, we're a higher learning Organization, and we invite students who actually aren't even Christians to come to our school. Mm. um, We can't, in good conscience, make everybody sign this because exactly what you were saying, you know, Allison, is that they sign it and have no intention of keeping mm-hmm. the covenant so why do that yes. um and you whether you were a commuter or whether you lived on campus you were supposed to sign it now as staff and faculty we also sign the community covenant so i get to circle the areas that i disagree with and write my notes inside those circles. <laughs> i used to do
0: that <laughs> i do that on statement of faiths so i used to you know do you believe this yeah. well, most of the time or some of the time or whatever but anyway
3: yeah i remember see, yeah. receiving
2: one of those things i was like yeah. could you just fill this out and yeah you're like, no <laughs>
0: yeah. do people sign it voluntarily they must
3: Oh, I'm sure they
2: do. Yeah, I guess and you do not. And I'm don't, sure their don't parents the really like that. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but then there's no, re- are there reporting procedures and stuff now? Well, oh that, like, yeah, that I couldn't be. I
1: doubt it. I doubt it. Let, let's hope not. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I doubt it as well. So, when one of the uh, funny, th- the funny things about the contract was that dancing was on there. You couldn't dance, okay? especially
0: while doing laundry.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you would be breaking this all. the if underwear is involved. Yeah. So, um, but at the time, remember back in like the late '90s, early 2000s when swing dancing was super popular. Ooh, yes. Do you remember yes. that? And it oh, was like, like oh, popular like, with Christians, like the Princess popular. Bride. <laughs> okay, so there was That's like history. an underground. Briar Cross, cross swing, swing. swing dancing. So in Moose Jaw, I guess on the base this they had. I know on the base in Moose Jaw they had swing dancing class, True like every fashions. Monday night or whatever. And um, I never went, guys, because I mean I signed a contract. No, I'm just kidding. I just wasn't a big swing dancer. Oh. But a bunch of my friends went, and then it got bigger. It was like, oh, these people are going swing dancing. Like, who wants to go? This, this sounds is amazing. Fun. That this and um, and so then there became and then it became like too big because too many people knew about it. But anyway, it was there were people just trying
0: like, to. Hide the fact that they, yeah, were, swing dancing. That they yeah. were swing dancing absolutely
1: that, uh,
3: risque. isn't that this hilarious this is Briarcrest footloose this is yeah yes,
0: totally
1: totally there should have been there should have been a movie about the about the underground swing not too late we could do it oh my god totally <laughs> so
2: as, as we begin to, to to wrap up here brenda um we uh, i've seen in in some of your work the terms of getting unstuck that that's something that that you that you, you help people with and what are some of the positive results that you can imagine a faith that is unstuck to some of the less than helpful patterns of the past?
3: Mm. You know, something I've been thinking and writing a lot about is this area of curiosity and how I really feel, um, we weren't encouraged to, to Mm. experiment with our thinking and to, you know, um, propel curiosity in our faith in our theology in our practices um and and i find a lot of people don't know how to be curious be curious about Mm. things that happen things they observe because we always rush to judgment and we always rush to certainty and so i really feel like um And that's where we get stuck. We want to be certain about things. We want to be certain about an outcome. We want to be certain about, you know, um, is there only one way to heaven? We want to be certain about, is there a thing called hell? And we want to be certain, you know, if I dance, am I really sinning against the Lord? You know, we want to have some certainty. <laughs> am I? Because because when when we're certain, then phew, we know where to hang our hat. Mm-hmm. When we're curious or uncertain, we don't know how to um, navigate through paradox or through complexity. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, one of the things I love to teach and I love to bring into my kind of my, my teaching presence is um, not... We don't have all the answers. I am not the expert in almost anything. I can guide you along the process, folks, but I want you to be curious about your. When when I say that and you have a response, what does that mean? And so I think that's where we get stuck. And so if we can help people change some of their thinking and learn to be more curious about why they think things, why they respond and react to that. Why when, you know, Brenda says, you know, God is, you know, I can refer to God as them, or I can refer to God as she, my response to that is that's not right. You know, let's be Mm -hmm. curious about that. Why is that not right? Where did you hear that from? Where did that initiate from? And so, I'm hopeful, like when curiosity gets elevated and we become better at being curious, all kinds of possibilities, Mm -hmm. all kinds of possibilities in how we imagine what belonging and community look like. And we start doing that outside of the church. All kinds of ideas of, you, you know. People who are unchurched or people who we think aren't spiritual, we can have curious conversations and we find out how deeply spiritual they are outside of the language of Christianity or evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. And oh man, we can have some deep connection and we can have some beautiful conversations around those things. Or when, you know, as a young woman growing up in church, when you talk about role models, I, the only women I ever saw at that platform was the women's ministry director mm-hmm. and the choir director, right? Mm-hmm. And so I never imagined, even though I was an amazing speaker, and I could, at a young age, you know, I could, get, I have the gift of gab and debate and and understanding, and yet I never saw myself mm-hmm. up there. I was so I pursued, you know, I went to, to Simon Fraser, you know, that unholy bastion of, of liberal education, <laughs> too. not <laughs> It too. ruined Ooh. me
0: forever. Did you know that more people experience crisis of faith at Christian universities than secular universities? Like more Christians, I mean. So uh, there's, I I was just reading a book on this called After Evangelicalism and pointed this out. And it said, Mm. you know, there's this fear of people that if you go off to secular university, I remember when I went to Simon Fraser, people said this to me in the church, like, oh, you're going to secular university? Me too. And, And my faith grew there, hugely, right? Totally. But that actually this crisis of faith that people are afraid of happens more often in Christian universities than in the secular universities for these students, right? Because they start reading things and they go, wait a minute, these people are trying to control me or whatever, (laughs) yeah. So anyway, Exactly. For um, exactly right. well, we're, we're so grateful to have you um, speak with us and I can tell a couple of things. I want to talk with you. Like we want to talk with you more. Hopefully we can just have more conversations with you because I, I can tell to. a few things right away and we could fill another episode just oh, with like, totally. I can tell, you know, <laughs> your story and kind of like what you've experienced and how you've got, but I can also see the place where you are now is much better for you than, than mm. wherever it was yeah. that you were before. And now you're mm. blessed to be able to help other people. And so we're pleased to be part of that. Any other last things you want to say to us? Or if you, if I cut you off or didn't finish? <laughs> or, um, oh, So many beautiful so conversations many more things. in here. We even had more questions that we didn't even get to. I
2: know. I know. We're all Gabby. So there's a <laughs> there's
0: one of our kind of taglines that we have that we use um, sometimes sometimes. Uh, from our friend David Goa, who we'll have on again, but uh, yes, and he quotes. I loved Isaac. that episode. I want. Yeah, he quotes. It. So you'd know this. He quotes Isaac Ephraim of Syria, who many mm. years ago said, uh, "The one who has tasted truth is no longer contentious for the truth." That mm. when you when you see something real, you don't have to yell and scream about mm. it being real. That there is, mm. and it connects with your curiosity node. It connects with the you know. Dropping some of the fear that we have, and so, and also, you know, our realization where we're at—to be kind and patient to the people who just look yeah. at us and go, you know, uh, you guys are dangerous and, and <laughs> troubling and whatever else. So, Brenda, thank you so much. We'll continue the conversation after we um, turn Thanks. off the recording. It's
1: been fantastic, nice to it's chat. so great, and to and I, I hope you, guys. you
0: enjoy the scotch. Mm-hmm. Cheers, uh, I'm our- loving it cheers our cupboard master ken bell will probably any moment to help us finish brenda thank you so much blessings take thanks care. for
3: everything take care